0: the Paranoid American Homunculus Owner's Manual, Not for the Faint of Heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today.
1: Hello and welcome to the Horn One podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts you can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast if you don't like the subscription-based models there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode
0: welcome to the one-on-one podcast with your host juan ayala
2: all, if you're going to start dabbling in alchemy and esoteric and occult sciences, which like, let's just be honest, that is what we're doing here, right? We're not just talking about, we're, we're seeing what happens when we do this, when we do that, what I said earlier about integrity, but when you're in integrity, when you are in integrity, doesn't just mean like, oh, you're behaving the right way or you're being, you know, like honesty has things to do with it, whatever, but also like your, your body, Is your vessel in integrity? Are you eating and drinking and exercising and doing all the things to sort of maintain coherence regardless of what is going on around you? Can you stare at the abyss? How long can you stare? What if the energy of that abyss breaks down the body if it's not in good condition? What if occult science and and alchemy requires the same level of physical well-being as like a finely tuned athlete? And a lot of people are not thinking that because they're just tinkering around in the lab and whatever, right? And so it, the the integrity is on a lot of levels. It's in the, the ethics and the morality, but it's also in physical integrity. Like if you have you know a house that's not built well, it's going to fall. If you have a pair of cheesy jeans that when you watch them too many times they're gonna fall apart this is the kind of thing I'm talking about like how do you build yourself to be coherent across all dimensions
1: Juan, and make sure to follow me on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast. At the Juan on Juan Podcast. Some people say I say it too quickly, but just like so used to it, right? tjojp.com And today we have Emily Moyer with us again. What's up, Emily? Hi, Juan. Nice to see you.
2: I just always wonder which Juan is with us today. Juan on Juan, <laughs> right? Which one?
1: That's actually in my comic book. I have my power is being able to split off into like two different Juans.
2: Yes. So which one are you?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I never, <laughs> never thought about it. The curious one. The curious one. The I'm curious always, one. Yeah. The, the inquisitive mind, the researcher, philosopher, I guess if, you could, if I could classify myself as that, right? The There's podcasting.
2: a breakfast taco place here. I think I've told you this called One in a Million. I haven't been there. It always has a long line. Right? So.
1: <laughs> well, whenever I visit, we'll, we'll go. And we'll, we'll go.
2: Dude, I should have, like, I ended up being in Orlando an extra day than I, than I expected. But, like, the way it all played out, I had really no time to visit with anyone because, you know, it's stupid. I went to the airport, and then they're like, yeah, your flight's not going to go. So I wasted a bunch of time there and then just, like, went to the hotel and slept and came back to the airport. Right? If I had known I was going to be the extra day, you and I could have been... Dining and chattering, but
1: yeah, it's all good for the next one. I mean, whenever you are, and I know it was a kind of like impromptu thing, but whenever you're back in town, just let me know and we can chop it up with, we will do it up. So Emily, where can people find your work? And also for those interested, I played the blast, the blast. I played the glass bead game with Emily on her show. And if you want to check that out, go, where can they find that Emily? Where can they sign up for that?
2: All right. So, like the area where you can go to to start to branch off into all my stuff is just on my YouTube channel, which is which is my name. Um, there are some changes going on in my my sphere or my plane or my realm or whatever it is. I think I'm taking most of my work underground. I think that I have gotten to the place with. I think we've long since passed, but like for some reason it flew over my head and I didn't catch it. We have reached and passed the same moment in this alternative information realm that was reached in the rave scene many years ago where there needed there was like this split, right? And some things became very commercial and very festival oriented and some things went deep underground. And it is clear to me that that time is upon us. And so much of my content, the stuff that's already available publicly will stay there, but I'm gonna be doing less and less public content and more, D- deeply weird, uh, but deeply meaningful uh, underground content that is really just for those people who are really into this, right? Like I, I'm i not for any kind of like censorship or having things be exclusive based on like leaving people out, but I don't think everything is for everyone. I think we're closing in on um, information here that is, um, you know, like, a full-time pursuit, not just something you like listen to while you're diddling around doing other stuff or, you know, like it's skin in the game time. Right. And I didn't like what happened to the party scene when it became more commercial. Like I found it more and more difficult to find parties that I like. And there's very, there's a few cities in the United States and other places. There's more that have very healthy underground scenes that can, can kind of balance that with a commercial scene, but in a lot of places they they harm each. the commercial scene harms the underground scene. It steals from it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It you know a few people are able to like you know capitalize on things or make a lot of money to the detriment of the quality of the music and the experience. And I see a lot of that gone in the information realm as well. Um, and I want to be able to like keep it creepy and keep it weird, man. (laughs) When I say creepy, I don't mean like in some weird kind of way, but like, we're talking about like weird shit here. Right. And it's, I don't like having to watch my words. You experienced that recently when, you know, you got, I, I got, I've had strikes, you know, I've had that stuff happen to me on YouTube before. I've also had, you know, the weirder thing where you're like private hosting company, also censors you. And so then you don't have a place to put your paid content from until you figure that out. And that's a shit show. Right. So, so we're going underground, but it allows more freedom to talk about weird stuff. And also it allows me to like really know the people who are listening to my content. Like I have a cool community. And so if you uh, like the, the weirder wonders of the world, come play with us. Uh, my website is emilycmoyer.com. I'm on patreon.com at Off Planet media. Locals. Dot, locals both. So there's like Emily Moyer. There's projectkids.locals.com for the work I've done with Michael and now with a rotating cast of characters of which you are one, as well as something I do with Elisa E. called Cenote. Um, and then I'm also on slash Emily Moyer. Um, different things available at different places. Like there's a level on Patreon that is like all in everything glass bead gamer level but for the people who would like to go check out your episodes of the glass bead game i'll give you a promo code where they can go and get a free month on the project kids locals page so they can at least check out the episodes you did with me and then if they like it stick around if you like you know that like that's one way of getting just that content if you want all my content like in one single package go to patreon um but yeah so different thing i'm you know doing some different stuff. I also do a lot of live things. I do conspiracy cocktail, which is an almost weekly, uh, speakeasy, right. For, for my, um, glass bead gamer supporters where we basically like, it's like a speakeasy. We get together, we have some cocktails and we talk about stuff that you wouldn't necessarily talk about unless you were with your, your closest, most trusted, uh, friends and colleagues. Right. So yeah, that's what I'm doing.
1: Awesome. And yeah, for those that that's a more candid conversation more private. Now, as of recently there was this thing on on in my circle that we had a friend of the show talk about how if you had a patreon you were kind of like a sellout or whatever. and he was mm-hmm. I, I think he was misunderstood, but I don't make exclusive content either. And I do push my Patreon a lot, but because I want to be able to do this for a living, you can't do this for a living without money. And not only that, but it costs money to produce shows such as this one, the hosting, the equipment, the, the stream yard that we're on right now, The everything costs money, the, the, the Canva to make the thumbnails, the AI art generator, all these things cost money, so it would only make sense to at least cut even but then you have these people. I've, I've noticed that when you get in this community, when you get to a certain ex, at a certain point of exposure, there's people in the community who will just bash those people. That they're mm-hmm. dedicated just to talk shit about the people who are have the bigger shows than them. Now, I'm not throwing any shit at anybody, but I'm sure people, if you're in my circle, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Andy from The Deep Share. He made some comments, and there was some other stuff sitting on their podcast. I don't deal with drama nor do i involve myself but i just want to make it clear that if somebody's paying me for something not only are they a supporter some people just want to pay you and support you for who you are but i also if i do a patreon exclusive show behind a paywall i'm not it's just as fire as my main channel but i give the people who support a little extra so that way they feel like they're paying for something instead of paying for nothing and that's just the way i conduct business and do it my way again everyone can do it their own way but I don't think that we should shun people for monetizing their content. I think we should encourage it more because everyone wants to break out of this matrix that we all talk about and we all criticize how I experienced recently being censored because we're back in alchemical times. The alchemists are back. We have to talk in code in order to avoid these algorithmic whatever, daemons or whatever you want to call Entities, whatever you want to call them. And it kind of freaked me out a little bit, Emily. Like I'm like... You, I have to use these major platforms as tools and use, use them accordingly. Right. And, but then you got, you got to stay in line. You got to play ball and I'm playing, I'm playing ball, but I'm not selling out or censoring myself whatsoever, but I am playing ball to a certain extent, but it's scary because it's like, if you get, if you can't host your content anywhere else, where are you going to go? What, what's the point? Like, if you can't say words, It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has to decide for themselves, every creator, and then every person who's taking in, some people take in in a consumptive way, others take in in a really meaningful way. So I don't want to call them consumers, but people who are experiencing our content, everyone has to decide what's okay for them, right? Like they want to, they're willing to pay, they're not willing to pay, they're willing to charge people, they're not willing to charge. I think that's, there should be a variety of ways to do it. But this is this takes a lot of this takes to do what we do and to do it well, which the, the more, the longer you do it, there becomes more expenses because you're just fiddling around at the beginning. Right. And then you get into more information, higher level information, which requires research books, sometimes travel, right? You start experiencing censorship. So suddenly you're having to pay to have all your content hosted. Some of those hosting sites come with data limits. When you hit that, you have to pay for more people complain about sound. People complain about this and that. So you want to make it sound good, all of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, And you know, like, I think I averaged out one time, like with whatever money I make for what I do and how many hours I put into it, it was like less than minimum wage even, though, right? So it's like, okay, it's but, you know, at this point, like I have another job because, you know, for a while I was doing this full time during COVID, right? Which I'd never expected to do this full time. And thankfully, like I experienced growth that allowed me to do that during that time that would have otherwise been somewhat challenging. But like I work another job. I live in a 750-square-foot apartment. (laughs) I get to go on like maybe a vacation. I travel to see family and to do things related to work. But in terms of something that's considered a vacation, I go on one a year. And I usually suffer for it when I get home because I missed work. And I don't have a job that gives me paid vacation or anything like that. So I think everyone needs to decide for themselves what they need to do to be able to live a life that feels reasonable for them. And then to be able to do the content in the way that they want. I don't want to have to say things that I think are stupid. I see people out there who created huge channels for them who like, I don't know if it's even a question of selling out or not, but it's like when you start to grow and you get used to making a certain amount of money, inside you know when people respond to what you say so you start calibrating the things you say one way or the other even if that was not your intention or even if like you know somebody didn't come in and with the cia check for you until you say this don't say that or whatever it is right like humans are humans and when people clap they want to give them more of what they're clapping for and like me having another job and me you know doing things the way I'm doing allows me to maintain my creative independence and not be a captured by an audience B, trying to earn money by like having a lot of views. I don't, I don't care if I have a lot of viewers anymore. Like there was a time when it was like, Oh, okay. Growing is good. And now it's like, dude, this is not material for everyone what you and I are into. And like, I want the right group of people to like practice this alchemy and these experiences and experiments and ideas that we have with, right? And, and and that's what I want to do. And so the way that I've chosen to do it is just a way that will enable me to keep doing it. <laughs> that's it, right? Like, I, I don't, um, I feel like I'm a healthier person when I also have another job than this. So it's not like, oh, I'm trying to like, you know, become rich doing this or anything like that. It certainly isn't, isn't that. Um, but I also feel like, um, like, some of the things that at least the kind of way that I do my material and you've, you've, you've been inside on the inside. I share a lot of personal content. I feel like that has been like maybe my unique contribution to this thing that we're all doing is that I share a lot of personal stories sometimes um, to the, you know, like it's maybe not in like my overall benefit to do that, but I feel like it's the right thing to do because it's the experiences I know for sure. And those are the things I share that a lot of people find the most meaningful. Sometimes it comes at a cost for me. Sometimes my family and friends are not comfortable with some of the things that I say, but I'm saying them not because I'm trying to be like, you know, shocking or whatever like I feel like it needs to be said right and so and and um you know it's not it's it's not always easy some of the you see you've like had shit rain down on you when you say some crazy shit that someone else disagrees with and whatever right it's a lot of work and it's a lot of sharing of yourself and I think we all have like a right to say this is my work and this is what I think it's worth. And if you enjoy it and you want to pay it cool. And if not, that's also cool. Like I'm glad you enjoy the stuff I put out publicly. I've, I've given thousands of hours of free content to the YouTube, whatever that is. Right. And, and now it's like, I, I want to, I want to further this work and that requires the ability to continue doing it. And I'm, it's the same for you. You work as hard as I do. I see it, you know? So Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and i've gotten to the point where i feel like my channel hasn't blown up in in that sense because of the, the content that i talk about it, it's a lot deeper than the regular layman and it's more of a i've seen my audience really I, I love that i have a small dedicated audience and it's growing little by little every every month and i love that they they consider it like a think tank right they 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 go on these deep dives and I've had people message me and email me things to further along my research. And that's, people have to understand that I talk about what I like. I talk about what I find interesting. I don't talk about, I'm not going to talk about Tartaria because I know it's hot in the media right now to get a whole bunch of views and downloads.
2: It's like, like,
1: no, I don't care about that, right? I'm going to I'm going to talk about it and it's, oh, it sounds interesting, but I'm not going to make it my identity how some people do. And again, yep. there's nothing wrong with that. If you, if you focus on one aspect of whatever it is in this realm, more power to you. But I, I talk about everything that I find interesting. And I think that's important to, to talk about because when people always ask me, what can I do to start making content? It's like, well, I always tell them the same thing, research, whatever you like, because yep. when you okay. research, whatever you like, your passion is going to come out in that work and people are going to notice and they're going to be grabbed. They, they're gravitated towards genuini- How do you genuineness, not genuinity right. genuineness, right? If you're genuine, I'm the same person off po- the podcast and I am on the Authent- podcast.
2: Authenticity is an easier way to say it.
1: authenticity, yeah. right? So yeah. when you're authentic, people gravitate towards that. And I'd rather, I agree with you. I'd rather have a small tight knit community versus having like my Instagram. I had a real go viral and I got a bunch of followers and I'm like, oh, I kind of, Whatever. I didn't like that because I got a surge of like new followers. I got like 5,000 or 6,000 followers like off the bat and in a span of like a month. And I kind of didn't like that. I liked it better when it was like the people who are actually following me because of my content that I post on there, not because of a viral reel that I had go right. You know what I mean? So it's like but I feel like that my channel hasn't really taken off. You know, and then when I mean taking off, like my 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 friend Narco Longo, he went. When I met him, he had a thousand follow, a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Not saying that your subscriber count is, uh, uh, you know, has a correlation on your success, but he went from a thousand subscribers to over thirty thousand in less than a couple months, right? But because he's in a niche crowd of a certain topic that people yep, are gravitating yep. and he's an awesome lecturer, and and he he does his re- he puts in his work, right? He puts in work, yeah. and it shows. So people are going to be gravitated towards that, but I am more in the right. I have a sloth on my on my thing because that's my spirit animal. Slow and steady wins the (laughs) race. I do my research and I present it as it comes to me. And I do, and people come there. You put one episode out a week. Like I move my mic out of my face so people can see my face, and I I get comments. Where the fuck's the sloth? Like people want to see the sloth now.
2: Sloth is more famous than you are. Yeah, (laughs) so it's it's like,
1: right, and again, I see what people say, and I think that I don't really get that much pushback on, like, the stuff that I put out, because, again, and I don't care if I get pushback, right, I'll make fun of it, and I use that energy, I take the troll's energy, the people who do troll, and I turn it back around and it's I'm alchemy like, you, can, yeah. you can
2: completely alchemize that energy but yeah i'm going to talk about the things that interest me and to the extent that they interest other people and i can talk about it with them that's awesome um my channel's smaller than yours even though i've been around longer than you have like i think the people that are interested in what i talk about have already found me so i don't know that there's i'm not i don't know that i care about growth or blowing up i mean i'm not like anti that necessarily but like now it's like I've got my people I've got my crew how far can we go let's go right and 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 that's kind of just where I'm at with it and um you know that's it I, I like the I like how I do it for me I don't like to feel like compressed by a set of like rules or expectations that don't feel good to me and so yeah to each their own alright. Do, what, what does Aleister Crowley say? Do as that will. <laughs> right? Oh,
1: fuck Aleister Crowley. But the <laughs> the I always tell people it's the Juan on Juan because Juan likes to talk about whatever Juan likes to talk about. And that's why yeah. I never had a co-host because I know I know I was gonna butt heads with them. And again, I I love my format and I'm gonna I'm gonna be switching things up. I'm working on a very big collaboration, probably my Not my magnum opus, but I think that this next collaboration that I'm working on is going to level up my my channel to that next level and that next tier. So we'll see what happens with that. But we're getting some echo, some feedback. Emily, is it coming
2: on my end? Should I want me to be closer to the mic? Test
1: test. I can hear myself again. Hold on. Oh, so it's you. I don't think it's coming from me. It's coming from your end. Hold on. Test test. Now it went away okay, that was okay weird.
2: I'll, I'll mute i'll mute when i'm not talking and that helps
1: okay all right test 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 all right so yeah let's talk about what we were going to talk That's about so
2: <laughs> i know like this was like uh, the shopkeeping has been coming up a lot with people on the shows lately but i think it's because they ask about what you were no, but I, in- but
1: you what you were talking i i wanted to address that because again i, I saw that whole thing pop off with andy from the deep share and people were going off on that and then there's people again in the community who are just here to bash other creators, or it's like, whatever. I don't get involved in that, but I just wanted to address that because, again, yeah. just because you have a Patreon doesn't mean you're a sellout. I encourage people to monetize your stuff. If people are there to, if they want to pay for it, awesome. If not, then that's awesome I, too.
2: I like to think of, I don't know if you've ever been to one, but like, I, I like the idea of like private membership club. Right, like, like it's called a secret
1: society, Emily. It's
2: called a secret society, right? (laughs) Here, like the ones that I'm talking about that are kind of interesting, they call them private membership clubs. Like, there's a private membership club here in Austin called the Pershing Club. Like, I I, uh, worked an event there for the my cocktail thing, Um, and they were closed for two days during. They weren't subject to the rest of the rules that everyone else was subject to. Because they're a private membership club, I like that aspect of operating that way. Right when you're when you're a smaller group of people and it's an agreed upon kind of scenario and situation, there's more flexibility. So I also see it more as that than as like a paywall, right? So, yeah,
1: absolutely. So I wanted to talk about something that you're you know about, right? What, what what they call a, a mixologist or whatever a person who, who mixes drinks together it's
2: a, just a different kind of alchemy yes
1: so at the time of this recording i just went on a cruise and i wanted a yep. cruise for my birthday because again in a little vacation with the family a three-day cruise i was originally supposed to go Happy to birthday. thank you i was originally supposed to go to bimini but last second they rerouted us to Nassau, Bahamas, which I've been there like six or seven times, it's kind of, kind of old to me now, but I was in the Bermuda Triangle this weekend and I don't know if it's me or what, but whenever I'm somewhere, I'm always focusing on the occult symbolism and I have this theory that I'm working on with alchemy in regard, cause I talk about alchemy a lot that a ship is a vessel, right? Well, what do alchemists use to to do their workings? Uh, Vessels, right? And Beakers and all these different things and bottles, whatever, containers. Well, a vessel. And then if you have Noah's Ark. And the reason I came across this was because I am doing research on Rosicrucianism. And the invisible college plate, the one that everybody always looks at. I forget the name of it. I was looking at it. And in the corner... On top of a mountain is Noah's Ark, and also Edward Kelly did a plate where the he depicts the philosopher stone, and in this egg-like thing, it's hovering over water, and in the egg, there's like a vision of two of every animal, and I'm like, I've been putting that together. I go, was Noah like some sort of great alchemist, you know, two of every animal. What if if that was alchemical code for something else, something much deeper? So I've been developing that. And then lo and behold, these things kind of sort of follow me around. On the ship that I was on, the vessel, there was a bar called literally alchemy bar. And it had alchemical themes. Like I had like this, the periodic table. It had the caduceus with the two serpents of like on the like on this board that they had and then of course the room that i was and it was right down right down the hall from the the casino so if you think about money and the exchange of energies right alchemy and then in the room that i was eating was called the golden something or other symposium or something like that the gold it was like a restaurant and it was all gold it, the, the the right it wasn't gold but the 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 decor was gold. It was painted in this very weird Greek-like symbolism. And I'm just eating, just looking around. Right? I'm always looking for stuff. I don't really have anybody to talk to about this. So I can't talk to my wife about it because she doesn't give a shit about any of this. But um, I'm I'm, taking mental notes as I'm there. <laughs> right? I'm taking mental notes as I'm there. And uh, she saw me take a picture of the alchemy bar. Right, so She probably knows I'm going to bring it up on the podcast. but And then I was messaging my friend cheney which you've had on the show
2: i love cheney shout out to cheney shout
1: out to cheney from the project cheney she's awesome and i was like hey i'm on a i'm on a cruise whatever and she's like oh yeah people on cruises they're in a trance and i was like i I can believe that because if this if this cruise did anything for me i'm a hermit right like i'm a i'm I'm, i wouldn't call myself anti-social But the less I have to interact with people, and it's funny, right, because I I talk to people and do interviews with people, but the less I have to interact with somebody, the better. I don't know. Again, and this cruise just solidified that for me. Like, I don't think I'm going to go on a cruise for a very long time after this one just because, like, that NPC mentality. And, again, I know that gets controversial because, like, oh, how are you going to say that there aren't real people? I'm not saying that, but if you think about it, we were in the Bermuda, the Bermuda triangle and there was something about like my wife kept complaining about how slow time was going and then when you're on this ship all you want to do is eat like it's like this weird yep. so so you yeah. are in this trance like state where you're almost, again it's like being sloth like a, like the, where one of the seven deadly sins is being sloth or whatever and you're just eating and just consuming and consuming and consuming. And you're in this again, vessel with other people and you're just going somewhere. And I, I was hoping, this was my hopes, this is my hopes, that when we would get to Bimini, there would be the shady tour guide that would offer me a tour to go to the Bimini road. Right. So I could go see. Right the road to Atlanta. like that was my hopes and dreams. And then, of course, there was a storm part of the Omega. I think it was part of the Omega storm or something like that. That was pushing rain down or something or other. And the the waves were choppy. So we couldn't go there. We ended up getting rerouted, which, again, suck because I've been to NASA a whole bunch of times. But, yeah, I was in the Bermuda Triangle this past weekend and, and one of the 12 VIA vortices, one of the 12 Devils Triangles. And I survived. Or did I?
2: <laughs> so you just said a lot and it's interesting. This I, this happens a lot and more and more that like I'll be off doing my own thing, having my own weird set of thoughts and then you'll go off and do yours. And when we come together, it's like, oh, we were kind of talking about or doing the same thing over the same period of time in totally different places with totally different people. Right. So all of that stuff is up and it's being played with in the pop culture, which is why your bar was called alchemy and, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And the periodic table, like I've I for years have talked about the periodic table, but I've been talking about it a lot lately. And I'm starting to look at the periodic table uh, in in a new light based on a few things that I've discovered. Right. Um, It's it's something more than just what it says it is. Right. For sure. It's encoded And really quickly,
1: Emily, not to cut you off, but. I really wanted to get a drink from there, but like something was telling me not to because like <laughs> I was like, eh, I'm not going to get a drink from there. But I wanted to get like a picture of me drinking at the alchemy bar, but I didn't. And also I said this before, but bar in Sumerian means altar. When you go to a bar, you drink wine and spirit. So, again, that's just another little detail. But, yeah, continue, please.
2: I mean, I think that uh, I enjoy experiencing other people's alchemy, but I do it consciously, right? And and that doesn't mean that I never make a mistake and go into something unconsciously, but I usually have a set of thoughts pretty quickly after that let me know, oh, shit, man, I fucking fell for that one. And it's all good. It's all learning experience. But part of the way you uh, build up to being able to withstand whatever the effects of someone else's alchemy is is by maintaining the integrity of your own system right like if your body be it your physical body your your energy body right like the one of the many bodies some people think there's four some people five some people think there's 12 the more coherent they are the more integr the more I- like integrity, like the more integral they're you know, sort of makeup, then the uh, more flexibility you have for, for that type of thing to be able to have an experience and not have it knock you off your center. And so, by integrity, like we can talk about that in terms of like a physical health thing and emotional, psychological health, but also just being in alignment with yourself in terms of. Uh, having the things you say and the things you do, uh, match, right. Or at least until you learn a new thing. And then sometimes you have to course correct and, and whatnot. <clears throat> so, so yeah, so, so I get that, but I do enjoy the experience of, of, you know, of, of other people's alchemy and, and the alchemy of situations. Uh, have you seen the television series, 1899,
1: I started it and I think I got to the third or fourth episode. It was just, it was very slow at the start, but yeah. It was I very slow. I know what you're it was talking very
2: about. Slow. It was very slow, um, but it, it's just one season and it was canceled. So it's not coming back. But by the end, you really felt that they had dropped a whole bunch of nuggets. And uh, yeah, they were like, yeah, we can't do any more of this. It was canceled. I, I recommend finishing uh, finishing that show because what you described about being in a trance Right. And that, you know, you were like, I was full of NPCs. Right. So think of it as kind of like, uh, you know, when you go to like watch a show or a concert, there's like all the background dancers that are doing the same moves as each other. And then there's the star of the show who is doing their own moves. They're dancing to the beat of their own, like their own thing. So it's like the NPCs, it's not that they're not people. It's just like they're background dancers. They're all doing the same, routine they're not dancing to their own beat they're not right and and the individual that is sort of um awakened aware on some levels enlightened or curious or is is not dancing to the same music or is not is hearing the music differently right is doing their own move even if it's the the same music they're sort of doing their own moves right um So I've never been on like a cruise that was more than just for a few hours. Like I've been like whale watching or like on the dinner cruise or the party barge. Um, I don't think cruises are for me, probably. (laughs) Um, I have a little bit more claustrophobia than that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely, um, unusual and you went to an interesting place. Uh, what you said about, um, that periodic table, like I'm really, I had some, I've I've had a lot of, I've talked a lot about the periodic table for a long time, but I had something come up just on the spur of the moment in the show, like a week or two ago in regards to some strange things about my mother that really has me looking hard at the periodic table and its associations to um, things related to masonry and how they choose to, uh, bring their children into the world, name their children, time their uh, activities and whatnot, right? Um, my mother's name is my mother, just the one who she just passed, but her name is Ruth Ann, which is an unusual name, right? And when I was doing some uh, research, when I typed in Ruth Ann, the name ruthenium which is um, which is a, a, an element on the periodic table and it's one that I've looked into before but separately about different stuff like you know when you're typing something in on google like there's a list of options that drops down ruthenium was there so we were we were doing some research on my mom whose name is Ruth Ann who was born in 1944 and ruthenium is the 44th element on the periodic table and when i looked up <clears throat> the goddess Ruth, Ruthenium, all of this kind of stuff. It was like, oh, now I'm understanding why my mom's name is this. And she was born in 1944. Had she been born in a different year, they likely wouldn't have named her that. She comes from, you know, a very Masonic family. And the story of Ruthenium, of this element and where it comes from, is kind of fascinating in light of other things that I've been looking at in terms of uh, specific, um, like I did some a show, some shows on Iboga with James Johansson, right? And they the iboga comes from gabon it's a country it's a it's a country in africa it's like a specific tribe iboga the drug iboga the the yeah the the drug the plant however you choose to call those things right so iboga is like the in its holistic form ibogaine is when they start doing you know synthesizing the this the parts of it and and whatnot um but that's where it comes from. It comes from Gabon and Gabon is where like literally the biggest load of ruthenium that creates basically natural fusion is, and it's in Gabon. Right. And ruthenium is one of these items that is like, um, it's a stable item in the midst of a fusion reaction. So there could be, right. It's like different elements are stable or unstable or do different things in these conditions. Right. Right what i've been talking a lot a lot about is genetics connection to nuclear fusion and that some people's bodies can withstand that energy field and others couldn't i.e. This is how they're picking some people for projects. My mother's name, identity, place, and location of birth and, and all of this kind of stuff seemed to indicate like, that's what, like the, that's what her identity is, that she would be a person that could withstand this kind of thing and therefore useful in these activities. Now, I don't know if that makes it true that that's what she was, but we were looking at something completely else and we unwound this entire thread around this element on the periodical table, ruthenium. Ruth Ann, right Ruthenium Ruth Ann Moyer was her name so Ruth Annie, and then M my I'm Emily Moyer em and whatever so we were just playing around with all this stuff and we started looking at the different different symbols on the periodic table the different two-letter codes and possibly who they could have represented in like biblical stories or mythology and I've done this before but only generally but we started getting more specific right and I think that, if we're talking about uh, important characters in either true or mythological history, people who come from bloodline families, or even even simply down to uh, so you know like celebrities or or people who may have been involved in in. Uh, scientific projects or MK Ultra kind of stuff or whatever, starting to consider the periodic table as code to who, who, and what this person is, is a valid line of research in the same way we use astrology, in the same way we use numerology, gematria, all of that kind of stuff. I think the periodic table of elements, especially if you look at it the way that like Walter Russell lays it out, which his he has a different periodic table that he works with that brings like sound, light, and color into the into the mix i think we're getting to the place of, of identification there
1: it's funny you bring up the periodic table because re- as of recently on on one of my more recent episodes of live stream i did a couple last week i think it was where we talked about we talked about spinoza we talked about the Voynich manuscript Spinoza and occulted gods and Gabe slick dissident which I don't know if you've had him on but you should have him on your show shout out to Gabe he brought up the the periodic table I think on that episode and how you're saying these occulted these these words that we use our language has a lot of occulted aspects to it i mean if you if you go back to the origins of what we consider english today i mean it goes back to william shakespeare or francis bacon or whoever you want to go down that whole rabbit hole right which they quite literally single-handedly shaped our language today and i mean that wasn't that long ago that was fairly recent so if you want to believe in science or seance right you also have that aspect of it the people who created these things they're going to put codes in them because that's how they talk to each other that's how they communicate with each other and i forgot what was the context that gabe brought it up but he did bring up the periodic table oh yeah he related it to spinoza and and god or something or other where they where they he he did this whole cipher thing and i think that's how they communicate you're absolutely right now
2: so- so think about this just for a second, okay? So ruthenium is an element that does appear in people's blood, right? So let's just say, for the sake of discussion, that um, your you name someone like that. They chose to name my mother Ruth Ann, and her mother's name was Ruth, right? Right, and and they chose to name her with this because she has a high amount of ruthenium in her blood, right? and she was born in 1944. So ruthenium is the 44th element on the periodic table then that makes her identifiable to anybody else who would be in the know who needed to know that this is a person with a lot of ruthenium in her blood and the things that her energy field can either create or tolerate is going to be different than other people so then she can move around from corporation to corporation or school to school or think tank to think tank thinking she's a student thinking she's working there and all the while everyone knows by the name she introduces herself as as to what her capabilities are in addition to those that she thinks she understands
1: and also check out the atomic weight 101 which is symbolic of portals right the 101 or the 11 11 is the number of magic with a k according to the typhonian order i've been studying
2: i've been doing some shows on nuclear fusion and dna and they're interested in creating custom strands of dna to use in order to enable like nuclear fusion on a grander scale. But the problem is, is they need DNA that has very little electrical resistance, right? What that means basically is that it can be a superconductor while staying cool, right? So some crazy shit can happen and it's not going to freak out, which also sounds like a person with a lot of ruthenium in their blood is tolerant of a fusion environment. So it's basically describing this kind of low electrical resistance makeup in the body that would be a person that could withstand specific energy fields, or maybe has DNA that could be used to power nuclear fusion devices, right? Um, so you can you you start to be able to unwind like a lot of that. And we got into, I got into like a related thread yesterday with Michael that we were following around her and her family's movements and correlating it to things related to the Philadelphia experiment, and then to. Uh, certain things related to uh, electromagnetism and schizophrenia and whatever. And you start to be able to build out the parallel story of my mother's life that like most people wouldn't have any insight into. But when I look at my mother, I'm like, oh, there's some weird shit going on here. And when I look at all this stuff, this is a better explanation for the person she seemed to be to me than any of the stories that anybody else might tell about her. Right?
1: Yeah. And again, how you said, that could be a possibility, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that it's true, but how you're saying you knew her better than anybody else and then her history as well. Not saying that she was some sort of... Because my the conspiracy crowd people sometimes, right, they start to turn me off when they're like, yeah, that movie was made and modeled after me. It's like, come on, man. You know, Like Disney made this movie and it was because ah, of me that they made. Come on.
2: This is what I'm saying, Juan. I'm saying something almost opposite to what you're saying. I don't like that either when someone is like, oh, like I'm, you know, every movie is written about me or every song is about me (laughs) or I'm special because I was a super soldier or blah, 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 blah. What I'm saying actually is this is far more common than people understand. So on one level, yes, the movies are about you, but they're also about you and you and you and you and you. Because they're hitting those archetypes.
1: Right. The The idea,
2: I mean, we are all unique individuals. There's no one here that is exactly the same as the other, even with cloning and and things like that, the fidelity is not 100%, right? But let's just say we're all people, we're all unique. And so we all should be appreciated and celebrated as such. But these projects tested everyone. Remember in school when they would be like, we're going to have someone come and run the class through a little bit of tests today. Not only did they do stuff with people who, did well. But the people who didn't do well, when they saw the reason maybe why they didn't do well, they saw some other potential or ability, right? So like if you went to if you auditioned for a job at the FBI or the CIA and you got denied, that doesn't mean that you didn't end up as an intelligence asset outside of your awareness in some other project or program, right? Like everyone, this whatever this thing is that we're living in has crowdsourced the answers to all their problems to the, the the general population without letting them know that they are basically the intelligence that is backing this system.
1: So I'm looking at my screen as you're talking, or I'm listening to what you're saying, and I look over and I and and mind you that chemistry, right, is is the is the successor, right, when it comes after. Alchemy, right? Is that successor or predecessor? Now, the predecessor comes before, successor comes after. So it's... A- after. The successor to alchemy. Now, I'm, I'm looking here. It says Discovery date 1844, right? And then discovered by Carl Karlovich Klaus. So it's KKK. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because the other day, I just purchased a property and there's some contamination on the property and the, the contamination is arsenic. So me being me, I Google arsenic. And of course the atomic number of arsenic is 33 right? out of all the numbers. And the other day I was go-karting and I was stuck behind this car for a little bit. Right. And, and I posted the results on Instagram. I, I, I got first place. And I was stuck behind this one car, and uh, I'm looking at the back of the car. I'm trying to pass the girl, and as soon as I shift my eyes up, there's numbers behind the cars, like on the back of the seat, it's 33. So it's like these numbers and these things follow at least me around, right? And I'm not saying that it's like, oh, but what are your thoughts on synchronicities, Emily? I don't know if we've talked about this. Do you, are you supposed to take them for what they are? Because I know in that show, they had the scarab beetle show up. And that's a very Jungian thing. We're talking about architects and all these things. But when you have a synchronicity, is it us just being schizophrenics? Or is it something that it should be taken seriously? Or can you just brush it off? Or what can you do? With I, that? I
2: think you should do all of those things. I think you should play each position, right? And, and, and I don't think, you know, like, okay, so you want to know the craziest thing about the scarab? So when we were reading about, so Laura and I were reading this book called Synchronicity by F. David Pete. And when it got to the part of the book where he was describing they, that where he was doing the piece on young and his scarab beetle, a scarab beetle came and landed on the book in our backyard. As we were fucking, you're,
1: you're a liar. There's no scarab beetles There's in Texas. There's an
2: entire fucking show. There's an entire fucking show that we did with Michael about it. When it happened, it was like, I don't know, first few months of COVID, right? Like we're letting it one of those beetles with like the green iridescent kind of skin or whatever. I'd never seen a fucking beetle in the backyard before, right? It landed on the page we were reading about Young's fucking beetle on.
1: <laughs> Bro, there's scarab beetles And te- there are more than a hundred species of scarab beetles in right. Texas. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so back, what'd you say it was synch- in- synchronicity by who?
2: It's synchronicity by F. David Pete. I highly recommend this book to people because it explains a lot about how our world really works and what the, the importance of synchronicity. So like, I think that you should consider all of those things. Like, like, you know, is this, um, is this magic? Is this surveillance and control? Is this me being schizophrenic? And I'm just telling you, people should not discount schizophrenia because i actually think schizophrenia is a very enlightened state of mind and there are a lot of people who would love to have access to schizophrenic brain power and then the ability to control it right they would like to be able to turn the schizophrenia on and turn the schizophrenia off because i'm telling you the shit that schizophrenic talks about is there
1: i just made a new term you want to hear it it's really cool
2: let's hear
1: synchro magicians
2: there you go. So All the right. people
1: who want to utilize, because, yeah, because I, I know one schizophrenic person and how you're saying their their brain. I mean, it would make sense, right, that that may, the mainstream would tell us they're broken. They need to be suppressed. They need to be medicated to take care of these symptoms. But then there's that also that other aspect. And I've been looking into Rosicrucianism, and, and it's heavily related to theosophy where they believe in clairvoyance and all these different things of, of perceptions of these other worlds, essentially these other, you mentioned the etheric body or whatever it was. Well, there's different layers of the etheric bodies and different layers of the, the spirit realm, whatever, whatever it is. Like we can't deny the fact that there are things outside, right? There's, there's a reason why there are religious experiences like, and, and mystical and spiritual awakenings that people have, there, there's reasons why that happens. And and again, I always find myself thinking, what if it's all bullshit, but then it's there for a reason, like the homunculus, like it's like such, a, such a weird topic, but it's like, it has some credibility to it. Like people are, are entertaining it for but it's ludicrous. It's wild to even think about something like that. But at one point in time, it was some sort of a reality. And I mean, that's what I love about this entire realm of things of 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 reality if you will it's a different history it's a different whatever you want to call it whatever you want to consider it
2: so this synchronicity and this is important for people in our reality who lots of us are practicing synchromysticism or different kinds of syncretism and whatnot like it's very important to like you know be able to consider a lot of positions on the experience you're having right we sometimes we're experiencing a synchronicity that has been generated by something else sometimes we are generating the synchronicity sometimes we're starting to cross over and share them with other people sometimes it's just like some fucking dumb shit like some people will be like oh man i had a huge synchronicity dude like you know i fucking ate at mcdonald's today and then my phone gave me a fucking ad for mcdonald's you know or whatever it's like we, we know the difference right but I think that you have to know for yourself and for each person it's a different point. like when you have to stop and like regroup and take a break, like I call it glass beating so hard, right? Like when I get some day, like you would not believe some of the like people around me, it'll start spilling over outside of me. It'll start happening to people around me, even people around me who don't know what I'm doing, like my family, like my dad or da 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 da, da. like he'll start saying some shit that goes along with, right? Like it's almost like a, um. It's almost like the, the flu or chicken pox, right? Like it's, it's a kind of thing. Like it generates an energy field that starts to bring everything into a certain kind of coherence and connectivity, right? And it can be fun. It can be scary. It can be like enlightening. It can guide you on adventures and learning to develop the um, the wisdom to know, like, it's time for me to go to bed and see how I feel about this tomorrow, right? And and, and 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 know when sort of the thread has reached its end for now. And it doesn't mean that you can't pick back up later, right? Um, but it's it's and it's a different balance for everybody, right? Like I think we don't quite understand the energetics of this realm. We don't understand the elasticity of time and the, you know, and space and all of this kind of stuff. And I think that synchronicity is something that arises when somebody is coming to sort of a soft spot in whatever the construct is, right? When you're starting, when you're like, when you're um, uh, first move into a house and you're feeling the wall and you can feel like, oh, the integrity of this part of the wall is like, different it's not as solid or as firm like okay like what is this should i push through or not am i gonna make it worse if i push through or fuck let's go see if there's a secret room back there you You found the glory
1: hole of reality
2: you have to decide for yourself (laughs) if you're ready for whatever might be on the other side of that glory hole (laughs) you you
1: stick it in or not it's like mm, you might encounter homunculus on the other side but i agree with you and my favorite part of all this is when when My wife's not into any of this shit. And whenever we share a synchronicity, like whenever we have an issue, like, wow, it's weird. I was like, don't look at me, right? (laughs) Like, because she knows I'm into all this weird shit. Like, I'll be like, don't, don't, don't look over this way. But there, I can't think of one right now, but there have been a few where her and I will be either texting or something while she's at work. And then I'll be in the car and the radio says what she was talking to me about. Like, it was like weird stuff like that or anything else. And so, yeah, and I think that that's a, that's a, I've never really seen anybody put it that way to where the closer you get to. Right, the apocalypse which is the unveiling the more these things start to happen to you and on the topic of Jung it makes me think of what he was dabbling and he was dabbling in the occult from a scholarly point of view and he figured the most interesting thing to me about Jung was the way he figured out how to interact with this other reality and he did it through writing He did it through writing, but I was talking to, I forgot who I was talking to about this, but I think it was, I was on William Ramsey yesterday. I was on his podcast and we were talking about how all these occultists of all time, they, they end up driving themselves insane. And I think that's what happens to a lot of these guys that start looking, right? You look into the abyss long enough and the abyss starts to look back into you or you turn into the monster that you, you know, the monsters that you were looking for. I'm paraphrasing it, but right. You have Nietzsche. You have crowley, you had austin Oman o- Osman Spar, you had all these occultists that went insane towards the end of their lives, Young being one of them by doing he was doing what what some people would consider what soul alchemy of that sort because he was obsessed with yeah. alchemy so so
2: i think I think this goes to a couple of things so I think first of all, if you're gonna start dabbling in alchemy and esoteric and occult sciences which like let's just be honest that is what we're doing here right we're not just talking about we're we're seeing what happens when we do this when we do that you know we're kind of thing right so what i said earlier about integrity right and i can't decide for you what is integrity. everyone has to decide for themselves but when you're in integrity when you are um and, and 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 integrity doesn't just mean like oh you're behaving the right way or you're you know being you know like honesty has things to do with it and whatever but also like your your body is your vessel in integrity are you eating and drinking and exercising and doing all the things to sort of maintain coherence regardless of what is going on around you can you stare in the abyss how long can you stare like what if the energy of that abyss breaks down the body if it's not in good condition what if occult science and and alchemy requires the same level of like physical well-being as like a finely tuned athlete and a lot of people are not thinking that because they're just tinkering around in the lab and whatever right and so it the the integrity is on a lot of levels. It's in the, the ethics and the morality, but it's also in physical integrity. Like if you have, you know, a house that's not built well, it's gonna fall. If you have a pair of cheap, shitty jeans that when you wash them too many times, they're gonna fall apart. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like how do you build yourself to be coherent across all dimensions, right? Like and it's a it's it's a process and it's something you have to maintain. Um, and, and and also I think having interests that are something other than that it can be related right like but i think a lot of people get really focused on their experiments and their magic and they don't balance it they don't go out and play soccer in the park with their kid or you know like go listen to music or you know enjoy a fine meal or whatever they get obsessively hyper focused and hyper like that we've talked about And that is a strength, but you also have to know, just like when you know that you're done with the synchronicities for the day, you have to know that like, I've stared in the abyss long enough, now I need to go do some other things and come back and see if the abyss still looks the same. You have to know when you're done. And done doesn't have to mean done forever, but when you're done for now, just like you know when you've had enough drinks at the bar, right, you know when you you have to learn what your own personal limit is, and that again is part of this integrity that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm just starting to come into understanding like there's shit that used to whack me the fuck out that like hardly phases me anymore. And when I ask myself the question, why everything I'm like, oh, I see, like I've gotten better at this. I'm more honest with myself about that. I eat better. I sleep better. I do all, it's all the things. It isn't just like one specific thing right being able to stay cool when things get hot being able to stay centered when everything is like wobbling all around right that's something that comes from a variety of experiences and choices and developments and things that you've done with yourself um and so i think the the alchemist that is going to be successful at knowing these other things exist and deciding which of them they would like to engage and being have and being sort of able to make that choice for themselves, not like being thrown unprepared into a scenario or, or, you know, not able to achieve. Right. I think they need to consider all of these things.
1: Yeah. And that was one of the things I think that you and I talked about one time or it's like finding the balance, right. Because, obviously with the production of a show, people see things differently than they would otherwise, right? Whenever they see this, they probably think, oh, he recorded a couple of days ago. Maybe they don't know that I recorded it weeks ago or something or other, right? So they get this idea of like, oh, this dude's super smart. But I always tell people, I go, the research that I do, it's like over time, right? It's over over large spans of times. But my issue that I have is hyper-focusing on Research and not necessarily that that it's worthless, but how you're saying you have to be able to find that balance, because if you get too lost in the sauce, especially if you have a family or whatever else, I mean it's not healthy, right? I mean, it can't, it can't, it's not good, and it's also not good for your own self to the the there was stories of alchemists that would have their clothes right the their, the clothing in the front would be a different color than the back because they were in front of the furnace for so long and i think maybe that might be symbolic too right like yeah that's, that's
2: exactly what i'm talking about yep
1: so it's like have everything in a healthy kind of thing but i have a form of what i call cold adhd where it's like i am always looking for i can't enjoy movies anymore because I'm always looking for the occult aspect of it, or shows, or whatever it may be, and it could be anything. It could be a show about, right? Love is blind. Like I found occult stuff on Love is Blind. Like weird stuff that it's like, eh, is it there? Is it? Who knows? Because I mean, these are shows that are at the forefront, and I know you and I. I don't know if you want to talk about the Netflix dimensions, because that, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. You know, we talked about being on a ship, on a boat, and potentially having some of my essence taken away right and and the Bermuda Triangle and this portal. And I was also looking for UFOs (laughs) because you're in the middle of the ocean. You're in the middle of these large, vast areas. So I'm always on the lookout for for strangeness as well. I, I do believe that things like Bigfoot and all these other phenomena, I do think that there's like this area in this realm of what we talk about these topics. That they can exist, and one of my guilty pleasures is cryptids, so I'm always looking for UFOs wherever I go, or Dogman, or Bigfoot, or whatever. And so, yeah, and I think yeah, the the alchemist having his clothes his clothing turned into a different color that might be symbolic for hey, you know, step away a couple of times and and smell what is it? Smell the roses, and enjoy yeah. the time that you have in the in the everlasting now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, I also think there's a direct one-to-one relationship between what is going on in your mind and what you will see on the outside. So I think that when somebody experiences a UFO or a Bigfoot or any one of these types of like, you know, anomalies. What are folks, your
1: thoughts on that, by the way, Emily, when you're done there?
2: Um, I'm starting to, I have, so none of those have ever been the focus of my research, but um, but I'm starting to understand like the conditions for those experiences they are the conditions for those States. And I think the relationship between what is going on inside of someone and what is going on outside of them has not ever been paid enough sort of attention or respect by lots of people. Not all, I'm sure there's some people who, who really deeply get into that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but I think that if you really look at what's going on in the sky and what's going on uh, with like things related to UFOs and then you do some deep research into brain mapping and into <clears throat> like uh, cellular membranes and integrity and and things in sort of the makeup of the mind or the brain you'll you'll notice that the brain lights up in unusual patterns and my guess would be when you have certain kinds of synaptic activities or certain things sort of firing in the brain you're more likely to have one of those experiences and i don't know if the thing in your brain causes that or if the thing out there causes the thing in your brain but it requires a certain state of mind like it, or a certain there, there like a certain flow happening in your body for one of those experiences to materialize. And so I'm just saying, I'm not saying I know the exact answer, but there's always a relationship between what's happening externally and what's happening internally when when one of those things occurs. The conditions are right for that. And it's a participatory experience. It's not just like you are, you're part of the experience. It isn't just happening and you're witnessing it generally. Mm -hmm. There is some resonance that allows your awareness that it is occurring to, to, to be right. So I think that this is why, like most people just who go out somewhere looking for UFOs don't find them, but people who are just engaged in some maybe slightly unusual uh, activity or they find themselves in a place they didn't expect to be in an unusual state of mind. It gets compounded by one of these experiences. It's because their state of being set, participated in setting the conditions for the experience to materialize. So I think it's a lot of inner, a lot of inner. I think we live in a participatory universe, not in the universe where things just happen to people.
1: But the people who are sitting idly letting the universe go by, right, for lack of a better term, that you could consider that an NPC. Instead of partaking consciously in the experience, they're just letting the experience take them right for I mean... most
2: things right like sometimes we choose to sit in a state of just witnessing or observation or meditation but that is done intentionally mm-hmm. but there's like a lot of people who are just they doing the current them. thing or whatever what there's yes it's just passing them by right like i don't think of the world like oh things are happening to me i feel like i'm doing stuff and to the extent things are happening they're happening sometimes because of what I'm doing or because other people are doing things too. But, you know, like I've noticed this too, with, with certain people with research or people who get into topics, whether they're like researching them or experimenting in them or just talking about them, that there's a lot of people who approach these things from like what what is being done to us and others who approach them from what am I doing or what can I do? And it's not that, whatever, when you're doing, you shouldn't pay attention to the other. But I've noticed sometimes now when I'm talking to someone, oh, I see. This is a person who's spending a lot of their time trying to understand or stop what they think is happening to them. And I'm interested in like, what can I make happen? Like how, what, what little tinkering's around that I can do that, whatever. And it's just a different, it's a different way of being in the same environment. And what, how you experience that environment is directly connected to that.
1: And you, you recently did an episode with Christopher and shout out to him. And I'm going to be doing an episode with him too soon. And one of the things that he said on the topic of UFOs was the idea of these local spirits where when you start looking into the night sky and you start to notice them, they start to notice you and that kind of freaked me out because I'd been wanting to get a pair of like night vision goggles to look into the sky. And it's like, it are those things how you're saying because young was one of these guys that talked about how ufos were a projection of our psyche and you're saying if there's like this cocktail and this concoction of all the right elements and situation that manifest these experiences into reality right what happens when i start to look into the night sky and you start dabbling into things that you and he said pretty much like yeah you got to be careful cuz once you start to notice these local spirits they'll come around and they'll start to mess around with you and that kind of you get that kind of like hitchhiker effect which kind of freaked me out when he said that cuz i've oh, everyone who i've known that has had night vision goggles they always say go oh, you look into the sky and there's so much activity going on up there that people wouldn't otherwise see because again the 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 light pollution and all these things but Paracelsus talked about the elementals and things that exist. or You can call them fairies, you can call them spirits, you can call them sprites, whatever you want, that exist in their realm and wherever they come from. And it could be in this, like the other night I I was reading about, I was reading Kenneth Grant, and as soon as I got to the part of the them being in contact with outside entities this freaking owl in my in my backyard just starts going crazy <laughs> it just starts whooing away I'm like you didn't you weren't doing that until I got to this part of the outside influences and these entities that they're talking about right if, if we truly are interacting with something that is conscious on the outside of of reality, right?
2: It can be really simple too. Like sometimes you have like a grand experience out there with something in the sky or an animal, but like one of the things we've noticed and there's at least at this point, 30 or 50 occurrences that have happened on camera that when I hit on like an idea that is like, ooh, we just moved into new space, some weird white thing, like looks like we we call them the lint UFOs in my apartment or whatever, Will float down. It's not. It's. I can't see it in my apartment. Like it'll come down. You can see it on the camera. Like I can't see it here. But like that could simply be something like um, just some particle of metal or dust or something that has some element in it that was reactive to that energy or that spark that I gave off at the moment I had it. So it's like acknowledging the the, 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 kind of thing, right? Like, it's funny. Cause it doesn't ever just happen when I'm like, Hey, what's going on, dude? Nice. Like when we're doing conspiracy cocktail and I'm talking to people and we're just chattering about like whatever fancy cocktail I'm drinking, it never happens. It always happens when I'm like, Oh shit man ruthenium is fucking 44 on the periodic <laughs> table it's raining you know it looks like the um in stranger things when they're in the upside down and there's like that white dust yes yes it looks kind of like that like that or like a feather like a piece of a feather from an angel's wing or something like that right the other thing is we have lots of particulates in our sky and i think that we may be experiencing some um magnetic mirrors or dyson sphere type things that are placed in our outer atmosphere and they're reflective so sometimes when you start to interact with something that you think is out there you're interacting with yourself right it's like you're you're being shown it's like a mirror reflection back to you like you know like have you ever looked in the mirror after like you know you had like a long hard day or a hard night of partying and you like almost don't recognize yourself in the mirror Right. It's like, who the fuck are you? Are you one or are you one? Right. (laughs) Which one are you? Right. But I think that like some of our thought forms that we sometimes we're aware of them and sometimes we're even not that we're sort of generating when we're looking up at the night sky just get sent right back to us. It doesn't even have to be another, though it certainly could be some other spirit it could just be something holding a mirror up and going hey look at yourself dude right answering you know providing yourself the answer to your own question um in the book inside the earth uh they talk about that the things we think of as planets and celestial bodies are simply beings that have had a lot of attention they start right they 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 are like um uh, yeah, right. Like I, I think it's the show Jeff likes, American Gods or whatever. Like they need to have a certain amount of attention in order to continue to have power and exist. That planets are just like individuals or or spirits or or gods or whatever that have received. It's like it's it's an accretion disk. They keep building up. They're growing with every time their name is mentioned every time someone looks at them through the telescope it's like adding to their body like have you ever watched someone make cotton candy when it's spinning and you're they're grabbing the sugar with the thing and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and bigger until finally you have this huge ball of cotton candy from something that looked like a little bit of sugar it's like that right it's grow the book inside the earth is, is an interesting book if you haven't read it you should read what it was the By author radu, radu Cinemar right? I think there's a lot of uh, accuracies in that book. Um, You know, so, um, but yeah, so I think there's all kinds of things. Like when we go out to like the desert or something and we're sky watching or we've eaten mushrooms and we're checking out the biological UFOs or whatever it is, but sometimes Laura will start to sing. Right. She likes to sing in Hebrew and the stars start fucking flashing and doing dances and shit like Laura went through a period of time where she was in like a uh, religious cult called Hebrew Hebrew (laughs) roots of the Christian faith. Right. And she at this point is fully extracted herself from all of that. But she likes that language. She like she feels like in touch with that. Right. So she'll sing and the stars start you would you like we're like in Joshua tree she's fucking singing in hebrew and they're like doing things that are making it look like menorahs in the sky and mm-hmm. i think menorah is a is a technology right like it looks like some kind of like ancient device for some type of activity or whatever when i see it in the inner vision realm but to watch the difference between when we were just talking what the sky looked like and what the sky looked like when she started singing it was like they were doing a performance Whatever they were, whether they were stars or UFOs or whatever the sparkly twinkly things in the sky were that night, they were sing- they were dancing to that song.
1: Are you talking about like the like the Jewish menorah, like this? Yeah. You think that this is some sort of tech? Yep. Interesting. I never. I mean the 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 Senate the hearing room is in the form of a menorah, so I mean it might have some sort of resonance mm-hmm. technology amplification yep. of some sort. Yeah, that would make sense. It was weird. Sense.
2: Like this one trip when we were in Joshua Tree. Like everything I saw. And was Joshua, like she's of, a
1: weird place too.
2: Made of menorahs. And what was weird was like, I didn't say anything about it, right? I'm just having my trip and noticing, wow, there's like a lot of menorahs in my trip. I don't think about menorahs. This is weird, right? And um, my friend Vanessa, who was there, who she did not want to eat mushrooms, but she wanted to be in the experience with us. So she just took, like, she just put, a tiny bit of it in her mouth. She didn't take enough to trip, right? But she said, you know, she's like, Emily was weird when I was watching you. Like, I kept seeing menorahs. I didn't say shit about the menorahs, right? I didn't say anything. She's like, I saw the fucking menorahs, right? So like, I don't know now, like I'm half Jewish. My dad is Jewish, right? And it was like that time of year, but it was like, I wasn't thinking about menorahs. I don't, I don't practice any kind of Judaism, but it was showing it to me. And then like everything I saw for a couple of days, like I would see a menorah, like it would show me how like this is modeled after something from the menorah. Like we were looking at the, we're at like a gardening place and there was like some crate to like start growing your seeds in. And like the shape that it was in was like that. I'm like, that's fucking weird. It looked just like the fucking menorahs, right? Like it's some kind of sacred shape in order to like, harness energy or grow something in a specific direction. Like it's a technology that like generates a certain pattern, which a lot of technologies do. Right. Um, but that's, I didn't know that thing about the Congress. So that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And you have the law of law of attraction, law of correspondence. So yes, what, the, the idea behind sacred instruments in a ritualistic setting is because the air dagger or the, dagger of fire or the chalice of water or whatever like they're supposed again they're conducting alchemy so they're corresponding to that resonance of whatever sound or frequency or vibration that element has so by modeling this after this menorah technology or, or whatever you want to refer to it as it's that sort of resonance and not only that but then you charge it with everybody looking at it on tv and on the news and on C-SPAN C- 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 that's running, what, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People are charging yep. this tech. I mean, that's how that works. That's yep. how they capture your energy. And then look at all these people. I mean, you can't tell me that's not a secret society. Yep. I've been there. I've yep. been to the to the. – I've stood in this room before. I did too
2: when I was younger, like when I was like 12 or 13.
1: And it goes back to the whole Pythagorean Palace idea that they encapsulate a higher dimension. By, I mean, and this is in the capital, so – Think about if there's
2: what a QAnon shaman, that was his desk. What's going on? Yeah. Right there. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The,
1: the idea that, right. The, there's a more occulted laid out. Look, city, at how the,
2: look at how that top, that top looks like an Alex gray painting.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. You know, like it's very like fucking Congress is super psychedelic, dude. I told you, watch the, the Congress of our government, but also watch the movie, The Congress, because it ain't far off from that. This is the right? chariot
1: card. I mean, look at this. Look at that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're so, they're doing alchemy right now in real time. And I, I was going to say something as when you were talking about the. The what's the name of the the cult, the guy with the golden tablets, what was his name? Was that the Jehovah witness? Was that?
2: Okay. I was talking about the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, but you, you have a different cult you want to talk about.
1: Well, are they related? Because you're talking about, she, she, she sings in Hebrew, but Enochian right ha- has that effect on reality too. And there are certain chance that you do to invoke changes in reality, reality. And I think it was the Jehovah witness. Cause my, one of my friends tagged me in something. He wanted to do an episode on Enochian magic and, I think it was Jehovah witness where they, the, he read some tablets and he brought his brother back from the dead or sacrifices, brother something like that. Some, so some necromancy.
2: Enochian magic is interesting. I'm also interested in Enochian chess, right? Um, but there's this book that I read a couple of years ago that was interesting, but it just popped up the other day for me with some things that happened. And I'm like, I need to go back and read that book again because I think there were some answers in there that I wasn't sophisticated enough in my, knowledge to to understand at that point that i think would mean there's diff- something different to me right now and it's called um the keys of enoch it, it's like the it's um it's by it, it's at home i don't yeah it's, it's at that apartment it's by jj here what's it called keys of enoch i'm looking it up so i can tell you by james Jay. j
1: her, her- i think i have yeah book. yeah yeah the right? book of the, knowledge no, it's keys.
2: this one it's the um it's an introduction to the keys of Enoch. Um, and I, I think it was describing in, um, in, in more complicated language, um, the, now I have to find my way back to you. Where are you? Uh, hold on a second, because I went away from, this is the thing I, this is what's always confusing to me about StreamYard is I (laughs) I, I get lost. I can't find my way back to the screen and, 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 if I go away from the screen. So it's in, in sort of language I wasn't ready to understand. There you are. Then um, these processes that I've been becoming increasingly focused on in terms of uh, fusion genetics and, and things like that, that's what it's talking about. Um, it's, it's an interesting book. The art in there is quite interesting. Information is interesting. I brought it. I, it was something I read in Los Angeles, and I left it at the house in Los Angeles. But when I was there a few weeks ago, I picked it up and brought it back. So I'm going to read it again. Um, and, and, and I'll let you know, it's pretty expensive to find now all the good books are. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely stuff there. Did you want to talk about Netflix dimensions for a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We can wrap it up on the Netflix dimensions and how, all right. right cause, you, I know, you-
2: Cause you've been saying that to me for a couple of weeks. So I didn't want to bypass that with all the other things we've got on. You have no way of knowing this. I don't know if you ever saw the shows I did on Netflix, like, uh, my friend Gary and I did a few shows called one. navigating the netflix mm-hmm. realm but it was through the netflix shows that i st- discovered my theory of interdimensional architecture the netflix building was the first building i looked at and the idea of interdimensional architecture popped up so if you look at the inter the the uh you bring it up cuz if i go away if I, I i don't understand the screen share on streamyard i don't i don't understand streamyard um but uh, if you look up Netflix Building Los Angeles, you will see that it's this building that, uh, see it? This, so this is, the, there's two of them. There's two buildings in Los Angeles. But these were the first buildings I saw that looked like that. And then I have discovered many, many more, including the one I talk about a lot here in Austin called The Independent, where you have these buildings that have like separate segments that are almost like, it's almost like some kind of weird Jenga kind of thing, right? Where like each section of the building looks like its own compartment. It's like modular and it's off center. Like, I think that these uh, people understand that buildings are the things that connect dimensions. And if someone, not only do they connect dimensions, but even within the own building, like I think that let's say that there's an office with a lot of secrets right above you and you're sitting right below it. If I'm a person that's intuitive at all, and I'm sitting right below the desk where the secrets are, I can envision them easier than if I can't connect to it that way. So, if you have an office that you want to be completely secure, you don't want it to be attached to anything else in the building, right? Because it makes it sort of less uh, less reachable by somebody who is trying to do corporate espionage or some type of you know uh, some type of, of of other magic. But if you watched like um, uh, the OA or, or even in fringe, right. Where they were moving back and forth between levels of reality at the same location, right. If the um, blueprint is the same for the buildings, then they can find you. But if you're, let's just say you have an exact same building, but in this reality, one of the floors is slightly off off center, right. If they're jumping through, they're not going to land in your spot. So I think a lot of these buildings are A, built with the idea in mind of um, having certain segments of the building be compartmentalized in a specific type of way. But also, if you look at cityscapes, the way some of these buildings reflect in the other buildings, this is a way to, like, sometimes you look at one of these buildings that I call interdimensional architecture, but when you look at it reflecting in another building, it looks just like a straight building. It doesn't look, you can't see all the definition of all of that kind of stuff, right? Uh, I think this does something to it's like penetrability. Like I think it's less easy to penetrate when it's not predictable, right? I think it's a special kind of pathetic, like if you're trying to hide your secret to your alchemical recipe in a compartment of your mind that no remote viewer can get, you're gonna compartmentalize that section differently than you do the rest of your palace right you're going to have different modes of entry for the most d- inner inner space the most inner room the most inner cavern or the the one that you want to keep your secret files in mm-hmm. right that's going to be uh, approachable by almost no one or at least you're going to try and build it that way it doesn't mean it's going to succeed right mm-hmm. so i think that this is strategic architecture not just from a visual standpoint but i literally think that there's like dimensional warfare going on in the construction of some of these buildings
1: so it's on winchester boulevard and i looked up the etymology of winchester and chester comes from old english back up until the 11th century you have city of the legions from old Mm -hmm. english siaster roman town or city and then this one over here caught my eye where it goes a post-roman name the place was the base of the second legion Audrix, I guess, in the 70s CE and later the 20th Legion, Valeria Victrix. But the town's name in Roman times was some name I can't say from its situation on the river D, a Celtic or Celtic river, meaning the goddess, the Holy One. So, again, that's the etymology of of Winchester or, or Chester. And I mean, and they have the building, they have building g f e and then d where's a b and c (laughs) right so So i'm
2: not sure is this the one in los angeles
1: yeah this is the one in los angeles they have four different buildings
2: yeah there's all yeah okay so they have several buildings so okay the other thing if you go back to looking at the actual buildings instead of the google earth map right if you go back to just the pictures that were available on on um on Google, just go back to like the images. So I can see if I can find one that shows you certain things. Okay. So some of the, like, some, like the, some of the sections look like, um, strips of film. Like if you've ever developed like film strips, right? Like the building looks sort of like that. It also, if you look at like the top floor where it's like a white box that has like a big window that can be like kind of an observation deck. And look at the way that like in this picture you have here in the bigger box on the right, the way the sky is reflecting in that, like what if that observation deck is like binoculars looking to a certain point in the sky? Where does that point to? Does it point to the Hollywood sign? Where is it pointing to Griffith park? What are we looking at? What are we observing? What do we wanna have our uh, like a front row seat at? If you look at like film strips or like my dad used to have a slide projector right? Do you know what a slide projector looks like? Those buildings, the windows look like the slides that my dad, he used to like take uh, pictures and then get them developed to slides. And we'd watch them on the wall at the house, like when he would get back from his trips and stuff like that. And we're talking about a a company that makes films or that shows films. Now, I think that so my interdimensional architecture was literally inspired by, by the Netflix building, like the whole thread I went on about that. I think one of the things that they're doing with all of these shows, cause they have like an endless number, right? And, and some of these shows are Netflix originals, some are things they've acquired from other places. We're, we're all aware of like propaganda and predictive programming and all of that kind of stuff, seeding ideas. But I also think they want us to talk about this stuff. They leave enough things hanging out there unresolved that they wanna see what we'll do with that. Like I've said, I don't think that the masters of the universe have solved all the problems. I think they need to crowdsource answers to the problems they haven't solved yet. So they present an idea as a show and then either when they cancel it or when it's on a one or two year break in between seasons, the amount of chatter that is generated on the Internet about said shows theories people come up with as to why the show might be canceled what would have happened if it had continued for another season or 10 seasons or if there was a reunion show 50 years down later like provides a set of intelligence a set of data to be collected to start to use to resolve some of these uh, hang these questions that are still out there. It's also probably the bet one of the best ways to collect intelligence on where the mindset of the population is at. What do they think when you put down these ideas, are they scared? Do they like it? Will they go for it? Do they figure it out too quickly? Do they never figure it out? So it's not fun for you because there's nothing better than torturing someone when they know they're being tortured. whatever it is, right? Like there's all of this, it's, it's a better way to gain intelligence on people than the fucking census.
1: Yeah, right? and 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 there was a technology that somebody told me about that, just with the screen on your TV, they're ed, they're able to echo locate everything in your house. Do you know about? That? I'm sure. You know what I mean. That makes so sense to me. This idea of and if you think of you you mentioned projection and they're in they're in the industry of do they still shoot on film? Do you know? like do some people still shoot on film or is it all digital i'm sure
2: sure that some people you know i'm I'm sure that there are still some stylized directors that are doing that but i think that when you get into digital like a whole new set of possibilities as to what you can do with this arises so there's there's effects that can be created the old-fashioned way and then whatever Mm -hmm. newfangled technology they're using does something else
1: because if you think about projection as far as alchemy what is projection projection is purifying a substance to its purest form so projecting lead into gold right the the purification process and if you think about these it's an it's an interesting time it's an interesting concept because they're essentially dragging you into these different alternate perhaps timelines i mean if, right. if you <laughs> And if you watch... They're getting
2: you to LARP. They're getting you to LARP.
1: And they're coming out with the new season of Black Mirrors. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but that show is pretty It's hilarious
2: because everything black... I've never watched the show, but I have enough friends who do that. Like, at this point, almost every episode has basically happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This predictive programming of putting these things on the black mirrors in our houses Mm -hmm. to let us... And then you had the movie The Ring. Right, everybody remember? where she would come in through your TV or you'd see the portal on your TV. I mean, what were they seating in our subconscious there? And I've talked about the idea how, right, the Great Depression birthed this, I call it the Hollywood pantheon, which is like the chimeras, which is King Kong, Dracula, all the the greatest hits. The zombies came through the Great Depression. Well, what are they doing today? They're, right... Nicholas Cage just came out with the Renfield movie, which he's he's Dracula and that. So I think by them, and I know it's not Netflix, but the idea of a movie. Like what It doesn't that matter
4: if we're
2: talking about Netflix or Prime or Hulu. There's so many of these now. Each are doing a slightly different They're thing. They're the
1: same people.
2: It's but right. It's I mean it's different. It's like you have um you know sandoz laboratory and los alamos laboratory and livermore laboratory and each of them are running sort of different experiments a different version of the same experiment to see which is the whatever right but it's the same type type of thing um and it isn't like sure we look at a lot of shows that seem to be speaking about our reality in terms of like you can get into obviously a lot of the science fiction or the woo or the mind controly you know whatever westworldly kind of things or you can get into, like, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, documentaries on reality kind of stuff. There's also political shows like, um, uh, what was that one? Like, House of Cards, or now there's The Diplomat, that get an insight into how Washington works. And you can see how people respond to seeing that. Do they think that's really how it is or that that's dramatized? But even some of these pieces these, uh, that you also have, like, remember that how to, how to make a murderer or how to make a murder. Did you ever see that one?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah.
2: Or, or the Jeffrey Dahmer, like the How to Make mm-hmm. a Murder thing. Like, how much can you show people about how corrupt our system is, and they're they still are just like, oh, the guy know, in Wisconsin,
1: have- right? That was framed, yeah, supposedly. right. Yeah.
2: So, like, they're like they're, they're putting it out there to see how like, to make them. It now st- makes sense. String, <laughs> can, how can we string these people along? How long can will they accept this nonsense, both from our system and from this? this television show, this series, this net kind of thing. There's also things like the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff that came out last year, right? To they test the waters between the crossover and like the push for all this LGBTQ stuff, but also cannibalism. Will people be, will will the gay community be offended by that part of it? Will the cannibal movie, all the community all be turned? You can do all kinds of like looking and seeing and moving things around in the Petri dish, but even things that are supposedly like, either feel good pieces or like if you think of a movie and it wasn't a Netflix movie, but if you think of a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody about Freddie Mercury, or there was just a new Netflix movie that came out that we just watched the other night about Whitney Houston. Right. And I am shocked at how much I keep thinking about this movie about Whitney Houston, that how it's And and I remember that when we watched the Freddie Mercury movie, like Laura was singing fucking queen songs for like days and weeks. She was waking up in the middle of the night singing queen songs and whatever. But if you look at the person that was Freddie Mercury, there's some interesting stories that have gone around over the years about him and what he may have really represented and what may have actually happened to him and why. And I don't know the veracity of all of those. Right. But this movie about Whitney Houston was pretty insightful and pretty good right? And we also know all the conspiracies that have been laid down about what happened to her and why. And was it some kind of occult ritual? Who did it? Was it the Illuminati? Sure, all those things are possible. They don't really address that in the movie, but that's hanging out there in the conspiracy community. But, you know, one of the things that Laura and I, that I brought up with Laura, that after watching this movie, it seemed like it could almost have been transactional taking her out. Here you have a person who was one of the most successful artists in all of history, whose catalog is not as extensively big as someone like Michael Jackson's or the Beatles or whatever, but, can, but holds more consecutive number ones and song. Like I don't think about Whitney Houston very often. I couldn't believe like when they started playing those songs, it, was like, it took me right back to the first time I ever heard them. And I was like dancing. Right? It's really in our blood. It's in us. These songs we heard when we were younger that were like meaningful. Right. And she had damaged her voice. She had gotten herself involved in a drug addiction that was tarnishing to her brand. And she was now trying to come back, but she couldn't sing like she used to. So if we take her out now in a mysterious way. People are really going to want her music. That catalog is going to be worth a lot going forward. If she continues to stay alive and ends up a fucking lounge singer in Las Vegas because she doesn't have range anymore, it's going to diminish the value of her brand. So it literally could even just be a corporate decision, a corporate transaction decision. Right. And that was the feeling I was left with at the end of this movie, which was like, not something I didn't consider before, but it wasn't like top of the list because all of the conspiracy people are out there doing the gematria, counting the numbers, saying, you know, when you end up in the bath like this and 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 whatever. I'm not saying it is. I don't know what it is. Right. But, you know, it's now 10 years, 11 years out since she passed. Right. And people aren't talking about that necessarily anymore. But like, you know, like maybe they want some intel on whether people ever really figured this one out. So you put the movie out there and then you see what the conversations are online. What's funny about this is like, before I even knew there was a movie, the movie just came out in the last few weeks. Like a month ago, I was in the the kitchen up at the, where I do the cocktail thing. And I went in, I work mostly in this very large refrigerator, but I went into the kitchen for a little bit. And some other people who rent space there were playing music. And there was a Whitney Houston song on and so they were kind of rocking out and I was laughing and I was like so what do you think I was like did you think they got her do you think it happened how they said right and they were they were African-American people well, they didn't know what I was talking about so I told them you know like that you know it's not completely clear what happened to her and then their mind started going on about it so I didn't know this movie was coming out so this was like a few weeks before that and then the movie is there asking the question at the same time I brought the question to these normie people. So that was like, ready to be up in the collective. Like, should we take a second look at this and see what happens? Where are people at with understanding these things? Have we thrown them off track long enough with all the conspiracy nonsense? Cause there's conspiracy truth and there's conspiracy nonsense. And the nonsense is always more seductive and fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it's, it's, it's a great, it's like the best lit litmus test taker er- ever. It's like a ter- thermometer that you can just drop into every pot of water and check what the temperature is, and glean so much intelligence from that. Right, and, and that- we just and we know that, and we keep watching anyway because it's fun.
4: <laughs> exactly,
1: because I think that being, you know, because we talked about NPCs at the beginning, and that wasn't to be like ignorant that oh I'm enlightened and I can see all that. No, it's like not, it's not like that. It's just like there is an aspect of reality that, that does reflect that that kind of person, right? And again, it, might, it could be a mindset, could be whatever. It's a phenomenon. But the you and I covered on the Glass Bead game the light and optics, right? Al Kindi. And yeah. how snuffing out that light, you can then utilize that energy for something else. So this idea of snuffing this artist out, I mean... That energy still stays there and they can take that and harness and maybe plant it on something else. There's a million success- things oh, yeah. you
2: can do with it. Also like what her voice was amazing. I forgot about how big her range was. Like what happens when you remove that voice from the planet? Like when that frequency is no longer present, right? What if like when she, like, I'm just making a story up. I'm not saying this is what happens when she hits one of those notes like it opens up a portal that like brings in something really good or lets out something really bad. And, and, and the, you were trying to not have that happen or you were trying to make that, I don't know but it could go either way. Right. That when we lose these voices, when we lose Whitney Houston, when we lose Freddie Mercury, when we lose Prince, when we lose Michael Jackson, all of whom had a really unique way of sounding and a unique way of moving. They all had you both. Right? Like, did, it, did this reduce the number of, like, doors to interesting rooms in the universe? What, are, what, what did we really lose when we lost these people? Someone's like, oh, it's just famous people who cares, right? But if these people were capable of achieving a frequency that no one else was capable of achieving, that's a door that may never be opened again. That's a compartment in the mind, in your brain map, and it's just...
1: Yeah, a whole generation right? of people. Uh, right. Out right. The and it
2: doesn't. And now the music is on, on digital. It doesn't sound the same. Mm-hmm. There are, te- you know, like tone and tenor is lost and whatnot. Right. So I, like we, we don't know what we're losing. And it's weird how like so many of these like very famous black artists die in these weird d- drug related ways. I mean, not that others don't as well, but I mean, Michael Jackson, Prince, and Whitney Houston all died really young um, that all had achieved things not achieved by anyone else. Jimi Hendrix, you could add this. There's like white people have too. It's not doing a race thing or whatever, right? But it's like, you've heard me talk about the prismatic melanin, right? Like when we talk about Al Kindi, we talked about Kalindi EE, e., right? Is there some... uh? biochemical neurochemical in their bodies that is is part of why they're able to do what they do right and that place that they're able to achieve and i think that's even a line in one of whitney houston's songs um you know is not approachable for people that don't have that and it's funny because most of those people like you know like whitney houston was he was played really well in this movie and he seemed like a nice guy, but I don't think that's the story in real life. I mean, she was controlled by her father and by Clive Davis, right? And Clive Davis is a famous, you know, record executive, right? For a long time with a lot of these stars. And I think he worked with, I and mean, I can't remember who else is on his artist list, right? But, you know, I think we should have questions that are not just only of like the most, like, weirdly conspiratorial type, but also some things that are just, like, more, you know, basic. I mean, I think Prince called it right when he had the slave thing on his face. Right? Remember when he remember when he shaved slave into his face?
1: No, I, I, that wasn't, not to call you out on it, but that wasn't towards my time. That was... Okay, I'm old.
2: <laughs> yeah. You guys can go look. He has slave shaved into his face and, and he changed his name to that symbol Interesting, because his record contract was basically slavery mm. right and I'm sure you've heard hip hop artists talk about this and whatnot. but like there's some crazy ass shit like there's a line that gets repeated over and over in this Whitney Houston movie about when she signs a contract or when she makes a promise somebody always says throughout the universe in perpetuity what the fuck is that
1: yeah you know, right. it, it goes back to that Faustian pact. And I talked a lot about like, what are you willing to give up for whatever it is that you're getting in exchange? Are you willing to, right? I mean, the ultimate price is your soul. And then that thing that you're talking about in people's skin, it rhymes. It has to do with the thing that rhymes with the Google Chrome. So, yep. uh, you know, that there's that aspect of it as well. And yep, I do yep, think yep, that yep, yep. a lot of these people are, are born in, they're not. They're not, select. They're not just elected. They're selected, and they've been in this realm since the very beginning, right? And it goes yeah. back to what we were talking about that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. This I think that this reality, a lot of it is orchestrated, a lot of it is already pre-planned, and I think just like how any regular program, you're not able to do certain things unless you have that command prompt. Well, I think they have that command prompt, and they're able to have their inputs in that, and they and they know how to navigate, right, this reality in a way that the regular layperson doesn't know how to. And, I mean, that's in the most cryptic way I can possibly say it, yeah, but no, you get exactly yeah. what I'm talking about, and it's got to do yeah, with the media. I know media exactly what you're talking about. And, again, uh, forming this collective conscious around your thing around the netflix or your hulu or whatever your political party you name it they put these people on these reality tunnels and i mean that's the perfect alchemical mixture for a shit show quite literally so
2: (laughs) and we're living in it (laughs) yeah we're living in it right so (laughs) we have achieved the perfected alchemy of shit theater of the absurd it's fabulous
1: yeah yeah theater of the absurd i I recently named an episode that with my maria 777 you should have her on too she's great and
2: Maria777.
1: Yeah, you should hit her up and have her on. She's got right. some really interesting. She's Cheney's best friend, so hit up Cheney. And okay. so Yeah, Emily, this was this is great. I always enjoy having conversations with you because I mean we we talk always. It always seems like I'm gonna run out of things to talk about whenever I do a podcast, but there's always something new to talk about. And that always happens always new. when you come on, you unlock this thing in my brain and we're able to just navigate the realm and have an interesting conversation, thought provoking.
2: Well, I always enjoy it as well, my friend. Thank you for having me. Um, I'll send you that code I talked about so you can include in the show description, but I'll just say it here for people who want to see his glass bead episodes. You can go to projectkids.locals.com. And if you use the promo code PKLovesYou, all caps, all one word, it'll give you a free month. You can find his glass bead fractal series. Uh, series 1.1 through 1.3, as well as the last couple of years of Project Kids and Glass Bead games that Michael and I have done and Sinote um, series with Elisa E., who wrote the book Our Life Beyond MK Ultra. Lots of interesting stuff there. If you like it, stick around. But if not, just enjoy your boy. And I'm sure I will see you here again, and you will see him with me again. Thank you, my friend.
4: Viewing the sound of my voice this evening. <coughs> I can heal you tonight, put one hand on your radio. I can heal you tonight, viewing the sound of my voice this evening. I can heal you tonight, put one hand on your radio. I can heal you tonight. Let it be known Y'all get blown Out the zone so you leave us alone? We get drunk on the fuck of it. Homegrown, we loving it. Think i better know by now? We on some mother shit. Planet E, anyone read this is the mother shit? Off the E, Nico and me, a brothership. Smooth beats, keep it bubbling. Mentally, we traveling. Coming in, pray you don't get rushed by the double end. Your time up, you suck, stuck, you're stumbling. Uh-huh. Give a fuck, leaving them crushed, and are wondering uh-huh. how to get ahead in the game from the beginning. It's survival of the fittest, so the illest remain. Uh-huh. It's a shame how we do a wrong. We too strong, put it on, either get with us or get gone. It's a long time overdue. In order to represent the way we want to, yo, it's gotta be through. I'm whole. Uh, Mental plan transcend through lyrical exercise. Uh, survival of the fittest, my eyes are open wide. Uh, Choke whole MCs, retain the recipe. Uh, Next up, uh, the beaks, move beats and all to eat. Uh, Turn up the heat, it's time to blaze the street. Give them what they want, the real, that's unique. Questions, second guessing, this lethal weapon. Life support cut short for half-stepping. Plan and method, revive the unliving. That's the whole through soul embrace rhythm. Dirty South, born and raised, who keep it gutter? Next to smooth beats, who's the coldest motherfucker? Take none, no doubt. Dangerous routes, all to E. Smooth beats, what they talking about? Be fucking around the game of oh. fools. Get a hold of yourself, you know it's over Hit him with the venom of a cobra That's keep it blast off the doja Like I'm supposed to uh, Haters wanna bug me, mug and grab a toaster uh, Fuck a murder turn money to earn Another day, another lesson And I'm hungry to learn In the South, we something to burn We stay firm. Uh, Chicken heads, fuck up for nothing, we take turn uh, Out of town, y'all ain't got the grounds to claim We dirty dirty your players sound the same uh, Still young, so we bound to change at some age uh, One thing, we still get them at close range. Right. If it's war that you wanna wage, let it be set the stage for the recipe. It's all the easy smoothie. <laughs>